Tonight, we are going through an entire book. No, it's not Leviticus in Hebrew and Greek. It is Second John. So let's pray and get to it. Lord Almighty, you are beautiful. And we thank you for that song. And thank you, Lord, also that we can come before you and your word. And you receive us. May the grace and mercy and peace of God so freely given to us bless us and enable us to bring glory to you. We glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen. I know, I know, it's shocking. You're going to be stunned by what I'm about to say. But prepare yourself. Be ready to be shocked. We live in a culture today that distrusts authority. It mocks authority. It is fashionable to wear black suits and cover your face and violently protest authority. It is socially acceptable to rebel against any and all authority that seeks to deny your feelings. Okay, you're all stunned? Recover yourself. Breathe. However, it is well known to anybody who wants to know Though you cannot change your feelings directly, you can change your actions. What will motivate this change? Will standing up and protesting, will carrying baseball bats into crowds motivate this change? Nope. The one force powerful enough is love. Tonight, we're going to see how trust, obedience, perhaps even contrary to your feelings, and love all relate. Now, let me give you just one very small example. Earlier this week, my alarm went off way, way too early. Immediately after hitting the snooze button, which is what I always do immediately, the thought came to mind. Greg, you can't change your feelings, but you can change your actions. So, on this occasion, not every occasion, mind you, but on this occasion, I trusted that I would, in fact, survive the day with the little sleep I had, and I obeyed my previous night's commitment to get up early and go work out. How did love figure into that? I mean, trust, obey, oh, well, maybe. But love? Yes, love motivated me to turn off my alarm, rise from my warm covers and my fantastic pillow. But love for who or what? Love, in this case, for my family. I love my family when I go work out because I want to have a healthy body and thus be physically able to love my family with more energy and longer. The whole energy thing hasn't worked out so well yet. (laughs) I love my family when I get going on my day so I can earn the money that would feed and clothe and shelter us. Right? 
I love my family when I discipline myself and deny my feelings and thus become a man more like Christ. But more than that, I love the people I minister to by serving them, even when that means getting up early or staying up late. So in that sense, I love you guys by working out on Tuesday and Thursday mornings. And not only that, but I love the people I minister with, Benji and James and Michelle and Michelle and Stephanie and all y'all. Yes, there are two Michelles now. Because I get up early and I don't drop the ball on folks at our church because after all, we're all on the same team. Boy, you didn't know there was so much writing on one workout, did you? Now, I wish I could say I was perfect at all this, but alas, I am far from perfect. You know what? I'm not even perfect at being sinful, though I get pretty close to that. And I'm not saying that you need to do what I did, get up early at zero dark 30 and go work out, but I am saying if ever so haltingly, these little bits of trust and obedience motivated by love are working together by the power of the Spirit of God and by the grace and mercy and peace that He gives us so that we can become more and more children of God. Tonight, we are going to see one clear application from the second letter of John. Trust and obey. Love one another. So let's read John's second epistle and see how this works out. Verses 1 and 2. The elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth that abides in us, and will be with us forever. Jesus' best friend John wrote this letter to a people that he knew. And they obviously knew him right back. And he begins not with some throwaway idea that you can safely pass over so that you can get on to the good stuff. This is the good stuff. Don't miss the greetings of the New Testament letters. They are packed with marrow that nourishes us. Now, what is the good stuff here? Truth and what we do when we encounter truth, that is trust, is a prerequisite to love. Now, so is goodness and beauty. Thank you, Chet. But that's for another message. So how do they relate? Love is being willing and able to sacrifice for the good of the beloved. Love is being willing and able to sacrifice for the good of the beloved. John asserts here that he, in fact, loves them. He says, whom I love in truth. Now, something is true when it accurately reflects reality as it really is. So, if he is claiming, I love you all in truth, he's saying, y'all have seen this. 
Y'all have experienced my love in my willingness and ability to sacrifice for your good. Now, anybody who would read this letter, who knows the Apostle John, and who knows the church to whom he writes, which, frankly, we don't, but be that as it may, anybody who's looking on will be able to testify, yeah, John loves them. Look at, he did this, he did this, and he did this. But you see, love cannot be in truth if there is no evidence for that love. So I have a very practical question. What could evidence love? Well, of course, the old saying is, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. So giving time, talent, and treasure is one proof, one set of evidences that demonstrate a love between any given people. But he says here, not only I, but also all who know the truth. In other words, he's expanding it now. It's not just me who loves you in truth, but all who love because they know the truth. Now, to know the truth is in the biblical sense, to live according to what you know. To know something in the Bible means that you live in such a way that you demonstrate that you know it. Now, allow me to get a bit technical here. Stay with me. Christians have found three aspects to what the Bible describes as faith. And the phrase know the truth as it is found in the Bible is a synecdoche. Ooh, don't you love that word? How many English majors do I have? I, I have at least one, I know. I have two. I got at least two English majors. Synecdoche is a $3 word meaning you give a part for a whole. So, for example, if I say, hey, I got a new set of wheels, you know that means I bought a new car. I'm not talking about the wheels. I'm talking about wheels because they represent the whole, which is a new car. And generally, in the Bible, where it uses the phrase know and truth, it's talking about a part of what it means to have faith for the entirety of what it means to have faith. Okay, so what is faith? It involves three things. First, it means to know a set of of facts. In order to have biblical faith, you have to know a set of facts. Now, this is perfectly clear because I can say, I love Jesus, but if you find out that I love this cute little squirrel and I've named it Jesus, then you all of a sudden realize, I don't know what I'm talking about, right? So there needs to be a certain set of facts, and the church has agreed on these facts for most of 2,000 years. And then, Not only do you need to know a certain set of facts, but then you need to trust them. You need to build your life on them. You need to act as if these certain facts are true. That Jesus Christ did live. He did die to pay the penalty for my sins and your sins. He did rise from the grave. He did ascend to the Father and is now interceding for everyone who believes and trusts in Him. And I live in such a way that I act as if these things are true. But then the church has said there's a third aspect of faith. 
And this seems like the easiest. The, the technical fancy $3 word is a census, to assent to something. And at its most basic meaning, it's just simply to say, I agree. Yes, this is true. Now, it sounds easy enough to do, but it requires that you know what you believe and that you're willing to stand up and say, yes, I believe Jesus died for my sins. So, back to John, those who know the truth, they are those who know a certain specific set of facts that probably John taught them about Jesus. Then they trust them, they build their lives upon these certain set of facts. Then they communicate this knowledge and trust in these facts. The result of this, the, the, the bottom line of this knowing, trusting, and assenting to this is love. It's love. If you know that God loves you, then you will love others. The expression of your love is not going to be go work out, although that might be, but it's going to be to love those who are near you. It's commonly asserted that St. Francis of Assisi said, preach the good news always, and if necessary, use words. Whether he said that or no, the fact is that we believe in the Word of God. And whatever it was that he said, the point is we need to speak it. We need to speak what we know and then we need to live it. We need to love. Jesus is the Word of God in addition to being the Lamb of God. Now, back to Second John. This truth that John is tying closely to this idea of love, this truth that we are to have trust in, that we are to live by, is a person. It's the person, the person who is central to the true lovers, both now and especially forever. He says the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And because He is with you now, you can love that annoying neighbor. Plays music way too loud, way too late. You can love that person who offended you 20 years ago that you've never forgiven. You can love that person who snubbed you this morning and didn't give you the time of day. Because Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life is with you even now. I think an even clearer statement of this idea is what Paul says in Colossians 2.2. He says, he's writing that you may be encouraged. How are you going to get encouraged? What is the means of you being encouraged? Being knit together in love. Okay, so we're loving each other so as to reach 
all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. So you're going to love one another, and this loving one another is going to enable you to explore the mysteries of God, the truth that He has revealed in His Word, namely, the person of Christ. So truth and the trusting of that truth and love working that truth out in the midst of those who are near you is what you need in order to be the men and women who are encouraged and strengthening one another. Love is what knits us together. And love empowers us to reach full assurance and understanding because we know God, who is both love and truth. So, the big idea, trust and obey. Love one another. You can be sure that those who love can be trusted and you can trust those who love. Verse 3, Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God our Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son in truth and love. Now, here is where the rubber meets the road. How many of you have ever started your morning off saying, I am going to love the people who are around me? Has anybody ever done that? You should. I mean, because the opposite is, I'm going to grump everybody today. Oh, I've done that too. Never mind. But you can't do it, can you? So, John, being a good Christian, knows this. And so what does he say? He says, grace, mercy, and peace to you from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace. Tonight, as you go to bed, I want you to think through what is grace? What does mercy? What does peace have to do with me loving that louse that I need to meet with tomorrow? Trust and obey. Love one another. Verse 4. I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in truth just as you were commanded by the Father. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing to you a new commandment, but the one that we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. That we love one another. Here is the most important passage in the whole letter. That we love one another. And this is love. That we walk according to His commandments. This is the commandment. Just as we have heard... What is this? Love one another. Just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. Now here is where they all come together like a brick wall. Obedience must figure in to this idea of trusting the truth, knowing and believing and acting on the truth, which is expressed in love. And the obedience comes because these two need to be together. 
the church John addressed could not miss right off the top of the body of the letter this emphasis on obedience. This walking in the truth can only mean that they were living in such a way that the truth made a difference in their lives the way they lived it on a day-in, day-out basis. But he gives a three-fold repetition of commandment. Wait, 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 wait. Love is just feely, lovey. Oh, yeah. Let's, let's be nice and sweet to each other. No, there's commandments involved. Namely, love one another. Be willing and able to sacrifice for the good. Not for the feelings of those who are nearest you. Now, I'm really tempted to go off on this because, boy, there's a whole sermon just right here. But I'm going to simplify the whole concept by going right back to what Jesus says is the central command in all of Scripture. Matthew 22, 37-40. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it. Love your near one like you love yourself. On these two commandments hang all the laws and the prophets. Now, really interestingly, Jesus' best friend John, the guy who wrote this letter, also wrote a gospel. And in this gospel, he kind of throws a curveball at Matthew 22, 37-40. Let's see if we can catch it. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. I'm going to give you a hint. That you love one another, Jesus is talking here, as I have loved you, so you also are to love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now, given the great commandment, love the Lord your God, love others. Given this great commandment, how then is John's restatement of Jesus' command new. Now note, in Matthew, when Jesus gives this command, He says, love your near one, love those nearest you, just like you love yourself. He's presuming everyone has this kind of love for themselves, and He's telling them, just like you love yourself, that is the way you are to love someone else. But John's version changes it just a little bit. Evidently, towards the end of Jesus' earthly walk, he restated what I take to be something he stated a lot, often, and I'm sure with varying versions of how he said it, just like we do. And on this occasion, he says, hey, that near one that's annoying you, that person who is nigh you, your neighbor. I want you to love that person just like I loved you. Boy, that changes it a little bit, doesn't it? Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, I'm, I'm pretty nice to myself. I, I try not to deny myself very often except for Tuesday and Thursday mornings at quarter to five. But now, do you want to be known 
as someone who is a little Christ, as a Christian? Do you want to be known as someone who follows after Christ? The most important thing you can do for them is not to die for them. It is to love them just like Christ loved you. Trust and obey. Love one another. Now this is all well and good. It's easy to love those who bring berry pie to you know the church barbecues that we're going to have. It's real easy to it's real easy to love people who bring berry pie. Real easy. And and the the people who who organize all of these church socials, we love those people a lot. And we have no problem loving people who leave mayonnaise at the store. But we distinguish ourselves, we show ourselves to be Christians when we love those deceivers and antichrists who corrupt egg yolks and make them into this white nasty stuff. Friends don't let friends eat mayonnaise. Just letting you know. We show ourselves to love one another when we can overcome our differences and embrace one another. Let's see though, because John gives us a negative example of how this works out, starting in verse 7. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ, who does not have God, whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and brings mayonnaise and does not bring this teaching, sorry, couldn't help. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. For whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. Now, the distinguishing teaching, the characteristic element of a life lived right, one who really does know and trust and speak and act according to what the Bible teaches is someone who loves as Christ loved us. You all have heard me preach enough times. You've heard me say this. Christianity is simple. Christianity is not complex. You want to boil it down? Trust and obey. Love one another. Now, I didn't say it was easy. This makes clear that those who deny that Jesus is God with skin on cannot be true teachers and therefore they cannot be trusted. And these people who deny the Lord Jesus and especially the love that He gave and lived must be rejected, turned away from. Now, let me get really practical here. I'm a sinner. 
I wish I could say I love you all as much and as often and as wholly as I can, but I don't. And neither do you. So what do we do about that? I mean, let, let's be honest here. What, what do we do about the fact that, man, we, we struggle with this? We just keep moving forward. We just keep taking the next step. And we say, forgive me. And we move forward in love. And we trust that God has forgiven us for our sins. And we trust that He has then also covered that. And we trust that He gives us the ability to love each other next time. And then we obey. We walk in obedience. Love one another. And we praise Jesus. We praise Jesus by forgiving and moving forward. And we do as he suggests here. Notice something that I think is really important. When he talks, and now this is a negative example. This is an example of don't receive these people because they're not walking in the truth. They're intentionally walking against the truth. He's talking about receiving them. Now, Michelle Winger taught me something really useful. You know that you're family with somebody if you know where she keeps her spoons. Now, this is practical. Wait, hold on. Stay with me. Because if you know where the lady of the house keeps the spoons, it's because you've been there often enough and she says, oh, get it yourself. Well, where is it? It's on the top drawer on the left-hand, right-hand side of the little island there. So you go there, you pull it open, you grab yourself your spoon, you go back and you sit down and you keep fellowshipping because you're just part of the family. And this is a great example of what John expects. Loving one another means that you go into somebody's house often enough, you know where she keeps the brownies. This is the kind of love, I think, because John identifies it and because we all love to eat, especially me, that really just shows how much we are related, how much we know and love each other. John continues in verse 12. Again, another one of those examples of you might think of it as a throwaway verse, but it is most definitely not. Verse 12, he says, Though I have much to write to you, I'd rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face. And here here it comes. The end of verse 12. So that our joy may be complete. John believes that when we go about living in such a way that we know where each other's spoons are, are, our joy will be complete. Sharing meals increases love, which increases joy. And it'll make it complete. 
And if you have a hundred gold coins sitting in a safe somewhere that you never look at because they're in a safe somewhere, how much joy are you going to get from that? Spend some of that gold to eat together. To go out on the streets and share a meal with someone there. Don't give them money. Don't ever give them money. Give them food. But allow me one more illustration so that we can see again how these three elements of trust, obedience, and love interrelate. And it's found in 1 Corinthians 13, 4-8. I want to read this to you and hopefully give you an insight you may or may not have had. Paul writes, Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. Love does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. Boy, that's where I fail. Love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but love rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Now, what becomes immediately obvious when you read these five verses with new eyes is that Paul does not include a single command. He does not say, be patient. He does not say, be kind. Instead, what does he do? He says, love is patience. When you are patient with your child, you are loving her. When you are kind to your neighbor, you are loving him. When you turn away from envy or boasting or rudeness, you are loving the person you are tempted to snub. Now, are you expressing the fullness of love when you are patient? When you don't snub this person? Well, no, of course not. Of course you're not involved in the full expression of all that love can mean. But come on, you can't. For anyone at any time. All you can do is do what you're called to do now. To trust that the Lord will not leave you in the lurch if you're kind to this person. Or if you are actually gracious to this person even if it costs you some of your gold. God is not going to leave you in the lurch. You can trust that. Then you can obey the fact that He says love this person. And right now, the love that this person needs from me is for me simply to be kind. Might not involve any cash at all. Just be respectful of them. It'll surprise all of you. But one of my favorite ways to do this is to just give a hug. You know, I, I, for two reasons. One is because I know there's a lot of people who don't get a lot of hugs. But secondly, I'm a hugger. I just love to be hugged. So I know you're all surprised about that. Love is willing, is being willing and able to sacrifice for the good of the beloved. You cannot love fully, but you can love truly. 
You will love truly as you trust God to work through you as you pursue patience. You will love truly as you trust God to bless you for the kindness to that rude person. Even if that person never repays you because, after all, no good deed goes unpunished. No, not that. Because, after all, that's what Jesus did. And he showed us by example and he has sent to us God the Spirit to work in us and through us so that we can love that person who is nearest us. And as you obey the various commands not to be irritable or resent, resentful, as you refuse to rejoice in wrong but rejoice in right, you will love those who cannot but see your love for your Father who is in heaven and for those who are nearest you. And they still may reject you. But that's not on you. Trust and obey. Love one another. John ends his letter with a simple statement of love. The children of your elect sister greet you. John wasn't there. He couldn't give him all his money. He couldn't give them anything really. The best he could give them at this moment right now. The best way for him to love these people right then is to say greetings. I'm sure he was a Jew. I'm sure he thought something like shalom. I'm sure that what he was doing here was simply saying blessings. Praise Jesus. Trust and obey. Love one another. Lord Almighty, I pray that Your Spirit, God the Spirit, You would come upon us and You would empower us to love one another. That we would trust Your promises to do good for and through and to us and help us to obey. Help us to live, to walk in Your commandments, especially the commandment to love as You have loved us. And help us, Lord Jesus, to love one another. We love you, Jesus. Amen.